Once again, welcome to Big Valley Grace, especially if this is your first time with us or over in the venue. Lots of, lots of families over there uh, Saturday night, Sunday at 9 and 11. It's crazy what we stumbled into over there, that being a family area where young couples can come and bring their children. That's just really great. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter four, uh, 14, okay? Matthew chapter 14. If you don't own a Bible, you can pick one up in the altar room when we're done. We want to make sure you have a copy of the Word of God that's yours. It's free. We'll just give it to you. And that way you can have it, read it, study it, mark it up. Nothing wrong with having a, a Bible on your smartphone. I've got two or three different versions on my phone. And I use my phone a lot to read the Word. But there comes a moment like this or in a Bible study or a home group or whatever when you need to have the actual book so you can mark it up put notes in it, questions that you might have. So it's really in, important that you have it. And if you don't own one, we'll give one to you, okay? When, when we are uh, done. Last week, uh, last weekend, Pastor Lonnie kicked off this brand new series called Come and See Jesus. And it was just unbelievable. If you did not hear that message, you need to go onto our website, take 30 minutes out of your life and invest it into your spiritual life. It was really a great message. You can watch it or listen to it for, for free. Doesn't cost you anything. And uh, I, you know, maybe you're on vacation like I was and I watched it, but uh, you need, maybe you're sick. I don't know what it was, why you weren't able to be here or watch it online or whatever, but go and spend 30 minutes of your life. I guarantee it'll be worth it. Um, each weekend, one of our pastors is choosing a story from the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that uh, maybe is their favorite story of Jesus that they're sharing with all of you. And um, the story that I chose, without a doubt, has had the most impact on my spiritual journey. And I think you'll see why maybe as we go through it. So let's read it together, okay? Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 22. Verse 22. Immediately after this, and I'm gonna stop right there. See that? Immediately after this. Immediately after what? Right before this story that we're going to read, Jesus uh, has about 10 to 15,000 people on a hillside. He looks at his disciples and he says, hey boys, I want you to go and I want you to feed all of these people. 10 to 15,000 people. Guys, I want the 12 of you to feed them. It's late at night, your job, feed them. And they did exactly what you would have done. What? I mean, there's no, you know, Jimmy John's, there's no Papa, you know, taking baked pizzas. There's none of that. You could have all the money that Bill Gates has and there's no way in that moment are you gonna feed 10 to 15,000 people. And so these guys are kind of in a panic. And a little kid shows up with a sack lunch. He's got a few fish and a few loaves of bread in this sack lunch and Jesus takes it and he prays and they put it in baskets and before you know it, this huge group of people, this multitude of people, 10 to 15,000 people are now eating. In fact, the Bible says that when they were done, they were all full and there was food left over. So immediately after this, 
Immediately after Jesus just blows everybody's minds by feeding 10 to 15,000 people, immediately after Jesus just blows the minds of these disciples by feeding this huge group of people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into a boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So Jesus looks at his 12 guys and says, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go get in that boat right down there and I want you to go to the other side of the lake and the lake would be the Sea of Galilee. So there was a boat parked there and he says, guys, I need you to go get across the other side of the lake and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna dismiss the people. I'm gonna send the people home. They just ate. And this was a group, they didn't want to go home. They had, A, just seen an incredible miracle, and B, they had all had a nice meal. They don't want to leave. You ever been at a home where you had a great meal with some people? Maybe afterwards, you're, you're just sitting around a fire pit, and you're just talking and enjoying life, and you don't want the evening to end. Well, that's what was happening on the side of this hill. The people didn't want to go anywhere. And so Jesus says, guys, get in the boat, go across the lake, and what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna encourage the people to go back to their villages or their houses or wherever it is that they were staying. Verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while, it was, while he was there alone. So finally, the last person had left. He's had this incredible day of ministry. And he finds a quiet place where he and the Father can talk. Okay? You see the, you see the story here? Can you see where we're at? Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water and when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they, they cried out, it's a ghost! So I've been on the Sea of Galilee many, many times. It's a beautiful little lake. Imagine, I don't know, Lake Tullock. The, the topography's a little bit like that. And it, was, it can be nice and calm. I actually baptized uh, on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, some of the people I baptized are sitting in this gathering right here, right now. And I've been out on a boat there. It's a beautiful lake. It's nice and calm. And we've swam in it and got in it. But it also, in a heartbeat, can turn it bad. The winds can blow through the valleys, and man, the next thing you know, you've got a bad situation on your hands. And it can happen quickly. And so the disciples had gotten in the boat, they're rowing across the lake, they get out in the middle of the lake, and now, whoa, whoo, it's the first episode of the deadliest catch. Okay, you've seen those, right? With the boat just going crazy, waves flying up. And these are seasoned fishermen. These aren't guys like me. I just watch the deadliest catch and I get seasick, okay? I mean, 
These guys, these guys, man, they're seasoned fishermen and they're out there fearing for their life, water spilling in, fishing poles are flying all over the place, you know, their life jackets are going everywhere, their bait's overboard, you know, grabbing each other, man, don't fly out of the boat, John. Hey, Matthew, get over here. Hey, Rio, get... And all of a sudden they look out and they knew they weren't by the shore. They knew they were out in the middle and they see Jesus or they see a ghost. And they're freaked out. Somebody's walking on the water. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said, take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he, that's Peter, saw the strong wind and, and all the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, Peter shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they had climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Hey, would that have been a crazy worship service right then and there? Who would have liked to have been on the boat at that moment? These 12 guys begin to worship the Lord out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and it's like ice now, it's like glass. Wow, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what they did. I wonder what they said. So what do we learn in these 11 verses? Why did God want Matthew to write this down? What's in it for us today? I want you to remember what the great apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter three. He said, all scripture, all of it, everything written between these two leather-bound covers, all scripture, all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, which includes the story we just read, all scripture, the story that Lonnie talked about last week, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful, the story we just read is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, the word of God, the story we just read, corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, God uses the word of God, God uses the story we just read to prepare and equip his people, that's you and I, to do every good work. Every time you read the word of God, God wants to use it in your life. He uses the scriptures, all of the scriptures, the story we just read, all of it for a purpose in our lives. So what do these 11 verses teach us? What can we learn from this story? What's the point, you know, of this story in the scripture. Well, it teaches us a whole lot of things. I'm gonna give you just a few. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to worry about all of them. I think there's five. 
I just want you to zero in on one thing. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you zero in on just one thing that you will listen to and go, hmm, that's what I'm gonna walk out of here with. That's the one thing that I needed to hear today. And you walk out of here and say, I'm gonna gonna apply that to my, my life. So what do we learn? Well, number one, the story teaches us about obedience to God and his word. That's one of the things we learn in this story. Look at verse 22 again. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Some of your Bibles say he made them get into the boat, right? That's what some of your Bibles say. Beloved, Jesus insisted he made them get into the boat and go to the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They didn't want to go. They had just had their minds blown by him feeding 10 to 15,000 people with a sack lunch. The last thing they wanted to do was go hang out with each other. They wanted to be by Jesus. They wanted to hang out with Jesus, but Jesus says to them, guys, it doesn't matter what you wanna do, I want you to get into that boat and go to the other side of the lake. That's my will for your life. That's my purpose for your life. And they did it. They obeyed. In other words, it was the will of God that the disciples get into the boat and head out into the middle of the lake. And they did it. They obeyed. And that's one of the things that we learn in this story. It's okay to have a plan for your life. It's okay to want to do something. It's okay to have, a, have a, an idea of what you want to accomplish today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or whatever it might be. That's okay. You got a great brain. God wants you to use it. But when God says something, you do it. Whether you like it or not. Whether you want to do it or not. We learn that in this story from these guys. The disciples did exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. God's word says, hey, Rick, I want you to pray for your enemies. What? I don't want to do that. I don't want to pray for my enemies. And God says, you can want anything you want. I'm telling you to pray. And I got a choice to make, just like you do, right? I'm either going to obey or I'm not. God says, Rick, instead of getting angry and mad and yelling at your enemies and posting crummy things about people on the internet, why don't you pray? You want to know how to change people's lives? You want to know how to really make an impact? Why don't you talk to your heavenly father who the Bible says holds the hearts of kings in his hands? Why don't you spend your juice there instead of getting all spun out about this and that and the other thing and posting something and why don't you pray for him? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28. 
He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And since I've been given authority on heaven and on earth, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, I want you to teach these new disciples to obey. Obey. Listen. <laughs> as good as it is to read the scriptures, it ain't enough. God wants you to obey them. As good as it is to read the scriptures and, and maybe take it a step farther and even meditate on the scriptures, ain't good enough. You gotta obey them. As good as it is to read the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures, and even take it a step farther and, and memorize the scriptures. That's a great thing to do. It ain't enough. You have to obey the scriptures. I want you to teach these new disciples to obey all my commands. Obey. And we certainly learn in this story about obedience. These disciples were told to do something and they did it. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep, they listen to my voice and the way we listen to the voice of God is right here. They, they listen, and I know who they are, but they take it a step farther. They just don't listen. They just don't read or study or meditate or memorize this. They actually do it. They follow me. They actually live it out in their lives. They're obedient to it. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a plan for your life. There's nothing wrong with having a plan for your family's life, your children's lives, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. These disciples had a plan. I'm sure they wanted to sit around and hang out with Jesus. But then Jesus spoke. Get in the boat, guys, and go. And they did. And we need to be like these men. We need to be obedient. And before I move on to number two, if all of a sudden you're sitting out here or you're in your home or wherever it is, over in the venue or the fireside room and you're going, whoa, that's it. That's what I need to focus on. I need to be more obedient. Then you can tune out the rest of this message. I'm serious. Don't be disruptive. Don't be rude. At home, I guess you can get up and make a sandwich now or whatever. In here, fake it just so I can go, man, there, man, it looks like you guys are really into it. But I'm serious. Forget about anything else I'm gonna say. If the Holy Spirit has spoke to you about that one thing, then walk out of here and focus on that one thing. But maybe that's not it. Maybe it's number two. The story teaches us that God allows everybody to experience tough times. Look at verse 24. So meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Remember, it was Jesus who told the guys to get into the boat. It was Jesus who told the guys to go out in the middle of the lake. Jesus knew a storm was coming. In fact, Jesus caused the storm. Whoa, whoa, hold on here, big fella. What's going on here? 
Beloved, it was the will of God that the storm would come right when the men got out into the middle of the lake. Now, some of you are going, Pastor, please unpack this. I'm going to. I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say next, okay? Sometimes problems, uh, storms, okay, difficult times come into our lives because we disobey the Lord. Right? Jonah would be a great illustration of that, right? He disobeyed, disobeyed God, and man, you paid a huge price for it, right? Uh, King Saul is another example. Man, he disobeyed God, and man, he paid a huge price for it. I know people that have disobeyed God's will and had sex with somebody that they weren't married to, and a storm hit their life, right? They, they got a sexually transmitted disease or there was an unwanted you know, pregnancy or whatever. In other words, they paid a price for their disobedience. I know people that disobeyed the clear teaching of God and his word as it relates to money. They spent money that they didn't have and a storm hit their life and now they can't make their payments anymore, right? In other words, they're paying a huge price for their disobedience. We all get that. We all kind of like that, to be straight up with you. It's the other side of the coin. Sometimes storms come into our lives and we do exactly what Jesus tells us to do. These men did exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. And a storm came. He actually caused the storm. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? That's a hard thing for us to wrestle around with. Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. Troubles and sorrows and heartache and hard times are simply the standard equipment in life. Everybody experiences tough times. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, black, white, male, female, single, married. Nobody's exempt from troubles or difficult times. Nobody. Single people go through difficult times. Married people go through difficult times. Disobedient people go through difficult times. And so do faithful people. And we see this in our story. These men were faithful. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And now they're in the middle of a huge storm. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. He said, he, that's God, causes the sun to rise on good people and evil people. And God sends rain to those who do right and to those who do wrong. Good people go through tough times and bad people go through tough times. Christian people go through tough times and so do non-Christian people. They go through tough times. In other words, difficult times are impartial. Disasters and tragedies happen to all of us. Nobody's insulated from pain and sorrow. Nobody's immune from it. No one gets to skate through life problem free. Think about Job. He was a godly man. He loved God deeply, and for whatever reason, God allowed him to go through some really difficult times. All this to say, obedience to God doesn't prevent storms in our lives. And maybe the thing you... You're thinking about right now because the Holy Spirit's having you zero in on it is, you know what? I've been angry at God because I'm going through something difficult. You thought God was picking on you. 
And right now, the Holy Spirit's talking to you. No, God's not picking on you. He knows you've been faithful. He knows you've been obedient. He knows you've served him for 10 or 20 or 30 years. He knows you have sacrificed for him. He knows all those things. But for whatever reason, he's allowed a storm to come into your life. And maybe the thing you're gonna walk away with today is, you know, I need to repent. I need to tell God I'm sorry because I've been pretty ticked at the guy for allowing something to happen to me or my family or my grandpa or whoever it might have been. Now, when you get to number three, something really great happens uh, in, the, in the story. The story teaches us that Jesus is always near when you go through a storm. Look at verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they were all crying out, it's a ghost. The reason why they didn't recognize who Jesus was was because of the fear. Whenever you're going through a storm, whenever you're going through something and the waves are crashing and the that is happening and your teenage son has walked away from the Lord and your parents are divorcing and there's all this stuff going on, you're afraid. And whenever you're afraid, you don't realize who's in the midst of the storm. They didn't know who it was. They thought it was a ghost. They're so afraid. They're, they're so huddled up together in the middle of the boat. And they didn't recognize the man who just did an incredible miracle, you know, a couple hours ago. Listen to what King David said in Psalm 69. It sounds a little bit like what's happening on the boat. Save me, O oh God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come to the deep waters. The, the floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. You ever felt like that? Oh God, help me. My life's falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. My business is falling apart. My kids are falling apart. God, I, the waters are overtaking me. What do you do when your marriage is in deep water? What do you do when your teenager's gone sideways? What do you do when your parents are divorcing? What do you do when they find a lump where there's not supposed to be a, a lump? What do you do when you're in over your head like these guys were? Well, listen to what God said through the great prophet Isaiah. He said, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. Oh, Israel, the one who forms you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name, you're mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why, why won't bad things happen? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you're precious to me. You are honored and I love you. So don't be afraid for I am with you. 
That kind of sounds like what Jesus said as he walked up to the boat, right? God said that through the great prophet 1,500 years beforehand, and, and now in our story in Matthew 14, Jesus is basically saying the same thing. It's a great promise. When you're in over your head, when the floods come, when the unexpected crisis hits your life or your marriage or your business or whatever, you got to remember what God says. God says, relax, take a deep breath, don't be afraid, don't get uptight. Don't worry because you belong to me and I've got a plan for your life. And beloved, God's plan for your life is greater than whatever the storm is that's hitting your life at this moment. Here's the deal. Yes, you're having problems. I'm not trying to minimize your problems. Yes, you're having a crisis, but God says don't be afraid. You may get wet, you may get a bump on your forehead, you may cough up a little bit of water or whatever, but you're not gonna drown. Why? Because God is with you. He's in the midst of the storm. It's one of the reasons why a moment like this is important on a Sunday or a Saturday night. It's important to be in a Bible study or it's important to be in a men's group, women's group. It's important to, I don't know, get in a home group. I, because we're all gonna experience storms, all of us. We've already seen that. The problem is, is that when we're in the storm, we get so freaked out, we forget that Jesus is right there in the midst of it. Think about our country right now. It's in a storm, right? And it's easy to sit back and go, oh man, COVID can't go outside. Oh my God, the riots and the, and the protests. Oh my God, what's going on? And you can just get overwhelmed with it all. And you come to a church gathering like this and it's a place to remember it's all okay. Jesus is in the midst of the storm. You may not recognize him, but he's there. He's right there in it all. None of this has taken Jesus by surprise. And you may get afraid, you may get scared, that's kind of human nature, and that's okay. But hopefully when you come to church or you get in your groups or whatever it is, somebody's there to say, hey, don't forget, don't forget, Jesus is here. He's in the midst of it all. He didn't wake up and go, whoa, what happened? COVID-19, wow, man, I know I shouldn't have taken a nap, you know? I can't even, can't even sleep for 20 seconds. And man, new disease out there. Now, number four has kind of always been the guide to my life. And that is, this story teaches us that God sometimes calls people to do risky things for him. Look at verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Wow. Wow. Twelve guys in a boat. One guy in the midst of the storm says, man, if that's really you, Jesus, I, I, call me. I, I want to I come out to you. And I think we've all probably said things 
you know, maybe really didn't mean, you know. God, if you just get me out of this one mess, I promise I'll, I'll tithe 50% of everything I have. And then God gets you out of it. I meant 25. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're going, man, I wish I hadn't said that. I'm sure the guys on the boat were going, oh man, Peter, sit down, man, you're, you're waterlogged. <laughs> you, know? you don't even know what you're talking about. This boat's going under and you want to walk out there? And Jesus says, come on, Peter. Climb overboard. Wow. Wow. That's risky. That, that, that is a risky thing to do. These, these verses right here, these three verses, have had a profound impact on my Christian life. These three verses are the verses that really have guided my life. I remember as a brand new believer, I probably didn't know the Lord about, I don't know, a week and I read this story. Jesus actually said to Peter, come on out here. Whoa, whoa, that's cool. I want to follow a guy like that. I want to be on that guy's. I want to be on a team where, man, you're, you're challenged to do something risky. By the way, the Bible records a number of people that took a huge risk for God. Remember the story of little tiny David? There's a giant named Goliath down there making fun of God. And up on this side of the hill are all these Israeli soldiers with their big muscles and their shields and their you know, spears and their bows and arrows. And they're not doing anything, doing nothing. And a little kid shows up with a slingshot. He picks up five stones, puts one in, loads one up. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody up on the all these Israeli soldiers are going, man, that kid was stupid. That's really stupid. Look what he's doing. He's going to embarrass himself. He's going to embarrass all of us. Talk about risk. He doesn't know. What if it just nicks him? What if it just nicks Goliath? Dink. And now, now Goliath's really ticked. Yeah, see, the thing about risk, the thing about faith is you don't know how it ends. If you know how it ends, there's no risk, is there? If you know how it ends, there's no faith. And here's this little kid. And now all of a sudden, all these big, well-trained, well-equipped soldiers go, whoa! And now they're all picking up their shields and their spears and their bazookas and their you know, M16s and, and now they're all motivated because one kid took a big risk for God. Wow. I get goosebumps when I think about a story like that. How about, how about Elijah risking taking on 400 false prophets of God? He didn't know what's going to happen. He has no clue. Whoa, what a step of faith. Noah risked building a gigantic boat for God. They're a thousand miles away from the nearest body of water and he builds this ginormous boat. Mocked for 150 years. That's stupid. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Doors left open. He doesn't even know how he's going to close the door of the thing. Talk about a risk. Talk about faith. 
Whew. How about Joshua risking walking around the city seven times for God? Here's the general patent of his day, the Schwarzkopf of his day. Okay, guys, ready? Yeah. Got your spears? Yeah. You got your swords? Yeah. You got, you got your bow and arrows? Yeah. You got, you got it all together? Yeah. Got your helmets on? Yeah. Well, you ain't going to need it. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around this, this thing seven times, and at the very end, we're all going to yell and scream, and the walls are going to tumble down. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I, you're now going around it the seventh time. Oh, God. I don't want to look like a dumb guy, <laughs> you know? And you finally get to the seventh time. All right, let's start screaming. And you're looking at the walls and they're ginormous and you're going, oh man. Do you love a story like that? The risk, the faith, man. How about this one? Moses leading all the people. Bad guys are coming, the Egyptians are coming and now he gets to the Red Sea takes his staff, and here goes nothing. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> what if nothing would have happened? Boom! Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm gonna reload. <laughs> Boom! He had no clue what was gonna happen. But he believed. He had faith. I'll tell you the one that's the most interesting to me as I was thinking about all these great stories was Abraham sacrificing his son. God says, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, go up to the mountain, I want you to sacrifice him. What? What? I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. But he does it. Hey, son. <laughs> They're walking along. And we're gonna go up and have a sacrifice. Oh, really? Uh, Dad, uh, I didn't see you bring a goat with you. Well, <laughs> puts him on the altar, raises up his knife. Stop, God says. God didn't want him to do it. God just wanted to see if he would do it. It was never God's intention to sacrifice his son. God said, I want you to go sacrifice your son, even though he knew. I'm not going to have you do it. He just wanted to see if the man would do it. Could it be that God might call you to something that he really doesn't even want you to do? He just wants to see if you'll do it. And at the end, he goes, thanks for doing that. I, I never wanted you to finish the job. I just want to see if you'd be crazy enough to do it. And watch what I do with your life now, now that I see the obedience in your life. One of the things that I've enjoyed was I posted something on my Facebook page where I said, hey, tell me about a, a moment in your life where you sensed that God had called you to do something risky and you did it. And wow, those stories were super inspiring to me as I read about how you sensed God wanted you to do whatever it was and maybe you hemmed and hawed for a while, but you finally got off the dime and you did it. And Maybe it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out, but you did it. And I want you to know, I love stories like that. And I think in this story, one of the things that we learn is that sometimes God calls people to do risky things. 
Peter, jump out of the boat. That was risky. And last but not least, number five, and this is the one that was really, I almost didn't do this one. I really struggled with this. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what to say about it. But this story teaches us that we all have some growing to do. Look at verse 30. But when he, that's Peter, saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, Peter shouted. And so Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Peter. Why did you doubt me? For two weeks, let me tell you what I wrestled with. I wrestled with it in your backyard a lot this past week. Peter has just done something that no other human being in the history of the world has ever done. He jumped off the boat and he took four or five steps on water. You've never done that. Nobody in the history of planet Earth has ever done it. He just did it. If this was ever a moment for Jesus to go, way to go, Peter, you the man. You just did something that no other human being has ever done. Atta boy, I'm proud of you, son. That was the moment. If there was ever a moment in history for Jesus to go, hip, hip, hooray. Man, all 11 of you guys didn't do jack nothing. You're still huddled up in the boat. He did something. Proud of you, Peter. That's the moment. Jesus doesn't do that. Peter's walking on water. He gets there and sees all the waves and the wind takes his eyes off God starts to sing save me and Jesus pulls him up gets him on board the boat and says man Peter you got to work on your faith you have so little faith Peter why do you doubt me Like I said, I almost just said, I'm not even going to do this. I'm not even going to do this one. I'm going to let it go. Because I didn't know what to say. I was troubled by it, to be straight up with you. I mean, come on, man. Give the guy a pat on the back, will you? Here was the deal. That was a moment for the Lord and for Peter. Because God knows everything. God knows what's in your heart, and he knew what was inside Peter's heart, and he knew that faith was an area that Peter was struggling in. And so he challenges Peter in an area of growth. Peter, you have some growing to do in this area. Yeah, I appreciate the fact you jumped off the side of the boat. That did take some faith, but you, you, you still have some room in here to grow in this area of your life, Peter. In other words, as great as Peter was, as great as that moment was in history, he still had growing to do. There were still things in his life that he needed to, to work on and focus on. 
And I think that's true for all of us. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care how much you know about the scriptures. God knows you. And he knows the areas that you need to grow in, in your life, in your faith, whatever it might be. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you learned something new about Jesus? Isn't that a good question? When's the last time as you read or studied the word of God, you went, man, I never really realized that. I know a lot of people who, you meet them and they, they just, oh, they'll tell you, oh, I'm learning all the time, but you can just tell. They got it all, they got it all. There's nothing really new you're gonna, they're gonna learn. Or how about this? When was the last time the word of God challenged your thinking in an area? You know, my grandpa taught my grandpa, and here's what I believe today. And in your time in the Word, whether it be alone or in your home or at a small group or men's study or women's studies or whatever it was, you went, you know what? Grandpa was a really good guy, and he taught my dad some things, and my dad's a really good man, but I was talking, you know, I'm not sure that's actually accurate. I'm not actually sure that is Christ-like. That might be something I need to kind of work on in my life. And that doesn't mean your grandpa or your great-grandpa's a bad guy or a bad, you know, grandma's a bad gal. Doesn't mean your dad's a bad guy, bad gal. Doesn't mean anything like that. It just means, you know, we grow up in these places a guy like me, I grew up in a home where no one knew the Lord. We didn't know the Lord. I didn't know anything about the Lord. I knew nothing. Literally nothing, basically. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you get saved, and if one of the first stories you read is about a dude jumping out of a boat, you're going, holy mackerel, I want to do that. I don't want to be just some dude in a boat hanging on to the side with a fishing pole. And a, I want to be the guy jumping out of the boat. I wanna, I, God help me, I want to do crazy things for you. Some people, I don't know, maybe they grew up in the church and, you know, everything is the, this is how we, you know, everything's kind of done and, you know, we don't rock the boat, whatever you do, this is how we do it, this is the way we've always done it. And let me, uh, let me recap this for us. I'm going to ask the band to come out. We're going to end with a great song, Okay. So, number one, we learned that it was the will of God that the disciples get into the boat and head out into the middle of the lake, and they did it. They obeyed, and that's something we all need to do. And Maybe that's the one thing you're gonna take away. That's it, praise God. Just do that. Number two, we learned that everybody's gonna experience storms in life, and so when you go through a storm, you know, God's not picking on you, and maybe you're going, man, that's the one thing I just gotta remember. 
Whenever I go through a storm, I'm always mad and I'm always pointing my bony finger at God, getting ticked off at him, telling him why I'm not going to church and not gonna give anymore. And you know, why am I experiencing this? And the hell's angels are out there selling dope to kids. And my, you know, really, really, my uncle's got cancer. You know, come on, man. You know, and they're as healthy as an ox, right? Why is that? Number three, we learned that when you go through difficult times, Jesus is right there with us. In other words, you're never alone. Maybe that's the thing you're gonna go, you know, I gotta got remember that in the midst of all that's happening. I gotta remember he's here, he's in the midst. He's there. Number four, we learn that sometimes God calls people to do some risky things for him. Maybe there's something God's been trying to get you to do. He's saying, come on, man, jump out of the boat, will you? And you've been afraid. Maybe this is the moment. And number five, we learned that we all have some growing to do, right? As great a man as Peter was, doing something no other human being has ever done, ever in the history of human beings, Jesus still pointed out a growth area in his life. And maybe, maybe that's something that God will work on you. Why don't you stand here, stand over in the venue in the, in the fireside room. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time here. And uh, God, may this just be a great way to end our gathering, singing this great song about some of the weighty things that we believe in. And I pray this in your name. Amen.